Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rad. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today, as usual. In fact, today we have El Señor, El Señor, Robert Reich, who's going to... Well, it's not Robert Reich. It's something that I got off the screen. But we also have the return of Andy Schmuchler with a... Schmuchler with a better American story. But beforehand, let me salute my peeps. Alistair Waters is in the house. She says, hi, family. Wing Jets. Me don't know what that means, but I'm going to assume it's something good. Bridge MCP is in the house. She says, Egberto, I laugh for your gun peeps. And you know we got to put what Bridges puts on the screen. So without further ado, here is what Bridge has. It says, banning drag queens won't work. The only thing that will stop a bad guy in a dress is a good guy. In a dress. I love that breach. That is a good laugh. We also have in the house. Lee Grant is in the house. It's from Europe. Oh, wait. What's from Europe? The screen? Or are you checking in from Europe, Lee? Did you make a travel? We don't know. German. Alyssa Water says that's German for house, everyone. AVQ is here. Michael Rudnan. Okay. And let's see if I miss anybody. We're kind of scant on folks to start, but we know everybody's going to be coming as they get those emails. All right, folks, let's see what we got here. Look like I got me a zap alert, but that zap alert doesn't look like it's too bad. I don't think I don't think I hope not. We'll see if more if more alerts come or not. All right. What we got here? Uh, Michael Rodden says, an article from last month that I missed but felt strong need to reshare, restaurants business online. I tell you what, before I do that, I must go and say, all right, let's continue. Restaurant business online. White House reveals plans to outfit more restaurants with electric vehicle chargers. Electric vehicle charging stations are coming to U.S. restaurants in a big way. The White House today announced that the next step uh, in its plans to foster the development of 500,000 chargers through the United States, if it set a near-term goal of installing 100,000 of the device through a variety of public-private partnerships, including collaborations that involve Starbucks, the plot, the pilot, Flying J, and J Travel Centers of America, truck stop chains, and an unspecified number of individual restaurants. The White House mentioned that private initiatives are key to the effort. With public financing adding considerable to the resources, about $7.5 billion were earmarked in the administration landmark infrastructure redevelop, uh, redevelopment uh, law for installing chargers. People's main hang-up against chargers uh, used to be charging time where you'd be waiting at a gas station, but soon you will be able to charge up while taking lunch break, and your EV will be ready to go by the time you're done. Eating businesses that offer charging stations will corner this new and growing market, I have uh, been looking forward to cities to replace the parking meters with electric charging stations so people will be happy to feed the meter and will be great to go after running their errands. But restaurants and other businesses offering electric charging stations in the public parking lots will be a game changer for EVs. The transition away from gas guzzlers will be rapid. The demand to get off of coal will be next. Muchísimas gracias por eso, mi amigo. Bridge MCP also has, isn't this why he is being investigated? Trump threatens death and destruction if he's arrested. 
What kind of person can charge another person, in this case, a former president of the United States who got more votes than any sitting president in history and leading candidates by far for the Republican Party nomination with a crime when it is known by all that no crime has been committed and also known that potential death and destruction in such a false charge could be catastrophic for the country, he wrote. Um, I think it's time for us to realize that Donald Trump is sick. Uh, when I say Donald Trump is sick, I mean the man is quite sick. And if we haven't figured that out already, I don't know when we will. But the guy who ran the presidency of the United States is severely ill. All right. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with today, the today's program with Andy Schmuckler, and then we'll go ahead and continue the program uh, when, you know, uh, afterwards. But I got to go check some Zapier things as well. So let's get busy. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. With us today is Dr. Andrew Schmuckler, PhD, a prize-winning author, former Democratic candidate for Congress in Virginia, as very red Shenandoah Valley, former talk show radio host, summa cum laude, graduate of Harvard, among many other things. He's back with us once more, where we are continuing what we started about creating a better human story with us. Andy Schmuckler, how are you doing today, my friend? Doing okay. Looking forward to seeing where we go. Well, you know, since the, we are we are kind of restarting after many uh what should i say we we had a long delay for many reasons but i think over that time much in our current society has changed so what i want to do in this segment today is not not precisely move on from where we ended but given the changes that have occurred thus far move forward as far as we're we're going. And one of the things that I've seen thus far is that in these last six to eight months, much has changed in America with respect to uh, what we what we decide to call freedom, what we decide to call democracy, what we decide to call fascism. It seems like the attempt is to make all this stuff nebulous. What's your thoughts about that? Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure I know. What's changed since we were, it was last July. By then, the Supreme Court had already overturned Roe. Um, since then, we did have a midterm election, um, which gave uh, a different, slightly different cast to our sense of the electorate, um, a move in the better direction, uh, sufficient that being crazy and Attacking our constitutional order turned out to be a negative uh, for a bunch of Republican candidates. That was that was something that changed. I've been reading a lot lately about um, how the war in Ukraine has changed the world. Let me let me put a stop on you right there, because when, when I spoke about change, that is one of the things I would have hoped that you would have brought up as the most the initial thing, the switch that it seemed to have occurred that the, the people who would normally been uh, glory, glory, hallelujah about Ukraine are the ones who are preaching 
uh, pretty much isolationism if, to some extent. And the ones who normally would say be more cautious are a bit less cautious on Ukraine. Well, my sense is that the um, that there's a pretty big consensus in our governing circles about rescuing, uh, making sure that Putin doesn't win. There is that segment, uh, you know, like the Tucker Carlson and uh, uh, Matt Gates crowd. I think Matt Gates belongs there. That's um, somehow pro Putin because they it's a right wing mentality where they uh, they love the tough guy. You know, they love the fascistic hard fist. Uh, but I think that's a minority. But what I'm talking about um, having change in the world is that the broader human civilization, or in particular in Europe, had sort of become lulled into thinking that the problem of intersocietal anarchy had been solved. The, Europe was a continent of peace that they could simply count on. Uh, the Germans were thinking that way. The French were thinking that way. Uh, I think people who are under the shadow of Russia were less sanguine about that. But as soon as uh, Putin launched his invasion, a whole new thing started happening, at least in the European continent. And it's a reminder that we really haven't done anything very effective yet as a civilization to prevent one madman from plunging the whole of the planet into a crisis because there's nothing to stop somebody like Putin and 30, uh, 1939, it was Hitler from plunging the war, the world into, into a war because of their own lust for power and their own craziness. You know so, something, though, Andy, that I that I am always asked, because it, I, I, in a lot of ways, I wonder if uh, we put too much. We, we, we make it. We, we Putin is the instantiation of what you're talking about. But there, there is there is no Putin if he doesn't have a very strong backing that thinks like him. Correct. Well, there's no Putin unless he's in, able to become the dictator of a of a nuclear superpower. Now, you can ask, what is it about the Russian history? Uh, not only since the fall of the Soviet Union, but over the centuries that has made it so difficult for them to get a government that isn't under the thumb of a monster. I mean, there's a history of some monsters. I think Ivan the Terrible and Stalin, and now we got Putin. Uh, there was a time back in the 90s that um, we might have hoped that uh, they were on the road to something different. But the nature of history and the nature of the institutions and the breakdown of institutions and the abilities of this particular guy who had a lust for power was such that somebody like him could get power, which was handed to him in 2000 by Boris Yeltsin, but he turned it into a fascist dictatorship and a kleptocracy. He had, he's had over 20 years to turn it into what it is, but the vulnerability of that 
is is something that's built into the world. But you're right. We don't necessarily need a monster. We could get into a nuclear holocaust over Taiwan. Yes. There, there, there are uh, threats being made by a, mm, the strong man of China, who I don't see as a monster, but, you know, he does some terrible things, but I don't see him like Putin or Hitler. But he's feeling his country's strength. He's got a history behind him where the Chinese, who had always considered themselves the center of uh, this, of civilization, had been humiliated for two centuries by imperialist powers. So he's got that history behind him, and he's got strength now, and he wants to ex- to make China the superpower that it has always thought that it was, even when it was a distant memory from before the European imperialists came. Now, let me get a bit um, uh, controversial here with regards, because uh, you, you switch a bit from, let's say, Ukraine and Russia to China. And, with and China, Taiwan. And Taiwan. And, and, and China's aspiration to be a superpower and likely regaining, uh, regaining their, their island, Taiwan, if you will. My question to you is the following, right? Who's really behaving like a superpower? I wonder sometimes. In well, America, United, let me the let me explain. States the United States has been a superpower, you know, since before you or I were born. Say that again. The United States has been a superpower. Well, I was born right. in '46, but my by question: by the time I was born, we were the dominant power on the planet. Right. And we've thrown our weight around uh, plenty. Uh, now, my my question is as follows, though, because the one of the concerns that I've had is being a person from another country myself. I'm a naturalized American citizen. I'm from Panama and not uh, disregarding United States news for a while. If we take a look at what China is doing, and by the way, this is not a defense of China or anything, because what China, I think, is doing many times over is being what America used to be. Examples. If like you go in to Central America, for example. Right. Example. If you go Nicaragua, to Nicaragua, Guatemala. Right. If you go to Central America right now, you'll or if you go to Jamaica, you'll see that the freeways being some freeways being built in Jamaica, uh, tollways, China. If you go to Argentina, China. If you go to many countries in Africa, investments in infrastructure and in social program, not social programs, but social infrastructure type programs throughout the world, something that America was renowned for and built its its goodwill and power base on. It seems like they are following the template as we continue to engage in other forms. Don't you think that could be problematic going forward? Well, there's there's room for more than one great power. Mm-hmm. Um, history shows that it is difficult uh, for uh, the world order, the international system. It's a dangerous moment when you've got a rising power and you've got an established power. Or a declining power. Well, yeah, could be. Uh, I've never been all that sold on. I mean, we were so dominant after World War II. There's no way that was going to stay. I mean, Mm -hmm. all these other... Uh, countries were in ruins, uh, and we weren't. But but it, Germany and England uh, are, are the textbook example of that. 
where Germany was late to become a unified country. It then was industrializing and becoming mighty. And England had been, you know, the, the sun never sets on the England, the British Empire. Uh, so World Wars One and Two are often seen in the prism of it's dangerous to have a rising power and have a, an established power. The rising power challenges uh, the established power for its, you know. So I don't think it's impossible to negotiate that. Um, but China is now like Germany was in the late 19th, early 20th century, a rising power. And the United States is like the British Empire was uh, being challenged by something that was had a larger population, was industrializing and catching up and then some. So but the, the crucial thing from my point of view is. And I'll go back to a, a historical cl classic. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to ignore what you were saying about all the stuff the Chinese oh, are doing. Don't worry, I won't let you ignore because I, I want to build up on it. But go yeah. ahead. Uh, uh, I mean, and we built the Panama Canal. In fact, the United States, with its uh, use its muscle uh, to establish uh, Panama because they wanted to build a canal. Exactly. Yeah, I think they essentially stole it from Colombia or something. Exactly. Like that. Uh, yeah. the, the, the Francis de Lesseps Treaty, yes. So, so, but the fundamental, uh, there's a quotation from Thucydides. It's one of my favorites. Um, Thucydides puts this in the mouth of uh, the Athenians who are trying to boss the, the people on this island around to help them in their war against Sparta. And they say, no, just leave us alone. We don't want to get involved in your quarrels. So at least in the in Thucydides, the the, the uh, Athenians say to the Melians, uh, uh, you know as well as I that uh, in the world, right is a question only between equals in power. And what happens is the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a sad so way to that, put it, but true. That's, I mean, whether, whether it's the Tibetans under the, the, the strong will of the Chinese regime, you know, the Tibet, Tibetans had their own culture. They were invaded. And now the, the uh, uh, Uyghurs, is that how you pronounce the people? Yeah, the Uyghurs, being, yeah. Uh, maybe genocide uh, of some kind, at least uh -huh. oppression. So the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must. And that has been, to go back to things that we've discussed before, that is what inevitably emerges when a creature steps onto the path of civilization. So the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must. Fortunately, in Ukraine, the strong misplayed his hand, misjudged all kinds of things. So in a way, this is a huge opportunity because we've been watching fascism rising as a power. This Putin's Russia has been the quintessential fascist regime in the world over the last couple of decades. And his miscalculation greatly weakens the force of fascism. And this is why it is really important that not only has he destroyed as much as he has of his own country, 
and his own country's reputation and his country's economy and his country's uh, but the reputation is going to take a long time to to repair but it is important that the that the power of democracy demonstrate itself and democracy is by the way in my book one of the key solutions to that problem that Thucydides put into the mouth of the Athenians. If you don't have a democracy where the government is answerable to the people, what you get is the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must. And that's what Trump has represented in our country and continues to represent. And even though that midterm election gave us grounds for optimism, that uh, that the electorate, uh, enough of the re- people who would have voted Republicans rejected people like those those uh, election deniers in Arizona and Pennsylvania and New 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 Hampshire. Nonetheless, I just read today a, a poll that says. Trump is leading Biden if this those, those two. I don't know what to make of that, but we're not out of the woods is all I will say. We, we, well, I mean, we're definitely not out of the woods. And that is something that we really need to consider. And we also need to consider who and why uh, Trump is getting that sort of a vote. The, all votes aren't equal. And if you take a look at let's let's go ahead and look back at the 2020 election. Those people who voted for Donald Trump, uh, while while the folks who voted against fascism looked like the multi- multicultural country we would hope America would have already evolved to, the Trump voter didn't look like that. And you had to wonder why so many thought it necessary to vote for the likely most incompetent person ever, uh, ever, ever having given power or ever aspiring to power. There is another cancer that I think we have to examine. And I'd like to bring that as the next question to you, because again, there is in fact a cancer in this country among a particular sect for what I would call non-existent or, or non-existent fears that are somehow cauterized in their minds. How do we solve that problem? Well, you know that I'm a guy who spent a lot of years thinking about what's going on. Um, I first saw this thing rising back in 1992 when I first heard Rush Limbaugh on the radio. And then when Newt Gingrich uh, uh, showed us who he was, I didn't I didn't see that at first, but. Uh, and then in 2000, since 2004, I've been working full time because I see this thing rising. And I ran for Congress, as you said, you know, and I, in a very red district. So um, uh, I and I write a op ed column every week uh, that appears in that red uh, in two newspapers, uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, and my northern end of the Shenandoah Valley. So I'm continually thinking about um, what I think you mean by the cancer, which is that something like 70 million of our fellow citizens voted for a guy. You said he was incompetent. I wish that were all it was. Uh, I've written about how Trump has an uncanny ability 
to make anything into something we have to fight over. Even the pandemic, you know, he used to divide us. Right. And he has an uncanny ability in general to do and say things that make the world more broken. So if he was just incompetent, I actually, you know, I think he's a genius in some ways. There's nobody in my lifetime in America who's had such a profound impact on the country. Just being incompetent doesn't get you that. You've got to be competent true. at something. That's very true. So anyway, so the question is, my neighbors, you, you deal with them as neighbors, and they're, they're good people, you know, as good people to do business with. Good people to have as neighbors if you get stuck with a flat tire, or, you know, good people in their churches. And yet they vote for the very opposite. Why? Um, OK, what I want to say is, as a guy who's been like full time trying to understand the human world since oh, 1965, for sure. But really before that, even in high school. I have never worked so hard to to understand what I see. I, I wrote a recent piece to a guy that I have interactions with online who comes up to take issue with the way I'm representing the political force that he, 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 he supports. And I, he's offended when I use the word fascistic to describe the Republican Party he supports. I wrote a column saying, I understand why that offends you. Let me tell you what my experience is of our interaction. My main experience is I am astonished. I am in total puzzlement how a person that I can see through our interactions has a great intelligence, can believe things that are absolutely patently unbelievable, and how a person of he's very civil. He's a gentleman. I know something about his background. I, I appreciate the guy. I would have loved to have been working in national security uh, circles with him. He's a military guy. But he's, he's such a decent guy. And my wife and I are actually going to have him and another Republican couple over for dinner uh, next month on St. Patrick's Day. How can a decent guy like him support something which is so patently indecent by all the standards that Americans had a consensus on. Now, I've written probably 20 essays answering questions about how how, how people like a person like Trump could have. But I'm not satisfied. I'm still mystified. And that's what I wrote in this thing. I've never worked so hard on a problem and been so dissatisfied with my ability to. to it's 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 as if. There are switches in the human mind that can switch on or switch off where he where where people can bring into their political life a completely different being. Absent any critical abilities, somehow drawn to something dark and destructive when in the rest of their lives. They're operating in a different way. Let me let me let me let me uh, posit something, because I think many find it very difficult to look at folks, to look at, quote unquote, 
decent people adapting indecent ideas, adapting indecent actions as being mutually exclusive from them not being decent. And I think in a lot of ways, that's in my humble opinion, it's a cop out. In other words, I, I didn't quite understand what you, oh, you well, let, the let other me, words. Yeah, yeah, let me let me explain. Um, the fact that you are willing to describe a decent person. And, and by the way, I do it as well. OK, we all do it. Describe a decent person who has actions that create indecent outcomes as remaining decent is what in effect allowed them to do that. Look, let, let me, before you answer, let me go a bit further because this is rather important and serious. Um, much of what I notice, I didn't use things like race or, or, or in, 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 in my further, in my previous explanations. And I purposefully didn't do that. But the reason I, I do it now is to point out that there are many who feel a bit of distress that some sort of equity is coming and maybe to some been felt that it's at their expense. Like the white majority becoming a minority. Say that again. Like the white majority being afraid of becoming a minority. Or not only becoming a minority, but having to be on equal terms. In other words, oh, yeah. uh, it is, it, it, I think, I don't think it's about being a minority in South, in South Africa, though there was a white minority in power forever and they right. felt fine. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. But in America, I don't think I, people think it's about the, uh, the minority thing. I don't think it's a minority well, thing. Dominance. It's dominance. It's dominance. Okay. Yeah, it, it, and it, in a democracy, especially if you disenfranchise the people of color, which uh, was a big part of the picture. Right. In, in a democracy being, you know, a, a white Christian country meant white Christians could dominate. Right. Exactly. So you're right. It's not a matter of uh, I don't want to see any faces different from me. It's I don't want people who are not on my side having a say. Exactly. And I think and I think there is a basic dishonesty in and I'm not I'm speaking about myself as well in the way I articulate things in the way you articulate things, in the way other great progressives articulate things in not really often hitting it at the core. Look, it is okay to feel a discomfort of what you are not used to, but then allowing that discomfort to have you do indecent things, I think it's problematic and it's something I think both you and I have to get away from. Well, get away from, I don't know. Well, you know, let me talk about the concept of brokenness. Okay. That, that actually plays very well into yeah. this discussion, right? So, and we only have about so, 10 minutes to discuss that. So bring that, that it would be great for you to tie that in because I think that concept that you spoke about brokenness a while back is so very important. Imagine you have people who live in a world in which for the last 10,000 years, the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must. Right. Imagine that playing out in infinite ways all across the, the civilized world. 
imagine what the experience of people is like, what happens to people, how they get traumatized, how they get broken, how how they get raised to meet the demands of a civilization that's about power and not about meeting human needs. All that brokenness ramifying through the centuries and even the millennia. And you get to the people, you know, I'm not going to be attached to the idea of, okay, I'm going to call this guy that we're going to have over for dinner. He's a decent guy, even if he supports the Republican Party. It's just words. Here's what I see. I see that there is a part of this guy that I can interact with that I feel a lot of appreciation for. And I can see that there's a brokenness in him so that he can be a patriot, which I'm sure he is. I mean, he shows that in countless ways. A patriot who would vote for a guy who sacrificed American national security to get the Ukrainians to investigate Biden, who who sacrificed the country so he had more than 100,000 extra deaths because all he cared about was his political advantage. No patriot would support that. But there's a brokenness where he can hold one set of beliefs out here. And, you know, going back to the issue of race, there's been a brokenness in American culture for uh, forever. Since its inception. Yeah. I mean, we've got the same guy who wrote all men are created equal, endowed with certain inalienable rights by their creator. And then he lives off of the labor of slaves. Exactly. And, and we've got these gentlemen in the South who are owners of big plantations, real gentlemen who are willing to go to uh, embark on a, a, a catastrophic war rather than submit to the constitutional order that they had dominated for several generations at that point because they weren't willing to give up their uh, right to expand the empire of their slave system. That's a gentleman. There's brokenness, you know, there's a brokenness that is in the larger system where you've got somebody like Putin able to play an outsized role. One of the things I say about civilization is that the spirit of the gangster has had a disproportionate say in how civilization evolves. And then you've got brokenness in the form of what we've been talking about in the American electorate, that we've got people who sincerely will tell you about their Christian values, who will then support something, behaves completely the opposite of everything that Jesus taught about uh, uh, how we're supposed to treat one another. That kind of, how do you, you ask, how do you heal it? Well, I'm a, I've watched this thing grow. I mean, the conservatives of the 1980s and the Republican electorate of today have moved very deep into the dark and broken place. It took a long time to get there. People like Rush Limbaugh and Fox News, they've been poisoning their minds, getting them to pay attention to things that aren't even real while their pockets are getting picked and the and, and healthcare is being denied them and and they're being their kids are being subject to repeated mass killings and the list would go on they have been lured into almost a hypnotic state where something which is the opposite of their christian constitutional patriotic values and their values of good character is able to 
manipulate them to support. Brother, Dr. Dr. Schmuckler, this is an extremely great place for us to end this particular episode because next episode, we're going to move on on that to expand on the brokenness, which you have spoken about before in the context where we've just spoken, because it's an I think if we crack that nut. We are moving forward. So tell us a little bit before we close here. Um, why do you have such faith in the human story, creating a better human story? And how do we go from here? And we'll, we'll take most of this up on the other episode, but why so deep into well, the human story? Well, when I say a better human story, which was the phrase I use in our first uh, interview, and that got you excited. It's not just that it can be a better story. The story that I tell has some good news in it. And the, uh, I've got a series on my website. I hope you'll, you'll post the link to it. Uh, the second uh, uh, entry in the series has a title. The ugliness we see in human history is not human nature writ large. I feel that, you know, my life's work, the idea on which I've built on the, uh, for over a half century now, I think pretty well proves that it is a systemic force that gets unleashed inherently if a creature takes the unprecedented step of stepping out of the natural order onto the path of civilization, inventing its way of life rather than being in the niche in which it evolved biologically. <laughs> that means that when we look at human history, whether we're looking at the ugliness in the world right now, like in Ukraine, or whether we look at the pages of human history of all the tyrannies and wars and enslavements, et cetera, et cetera, what we're seeing is what human beings have become in a world in which a social evolutionary force was driving it, not human choice. We are better creatures than we have thought. That's the good news in that idea. Dr. Andrew Smuckler, thank you so kindly for having been once again on Politics Done Right. This will continue over and over again. You have much to offer to the discussion. Thank you. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we are doing continuing the story, a better human story, where I uh, also have some of this on, on his website, point to his website. Anyhow, anyhow, my dear, beautiful people, we continue the program uh, with Robert Reich. Robert Reich said something that um, if it comes, if this statement, you know how bad things are when this statement comes out of the likes of a pretty darn capitalist type uh, economist like Robert Reich, who himself used to be a staunch, in my opinion, I mean, he was not as bad, but still have some neoliberal tendencies that worked for, as President Clinton's uh, labor secretary. Uh, but before I go to that, let me see if, uh, if I have anything here to handle in the chat Let's see, Michael Rundin and United. Let's see, I think that one came a while back. Uh, let's see, in effect, <laughs> I agree with you, Bridge MCP. I'm not going to go over the rocket stuff again. 
Uh, my description was perfectly accurate. Uh, Mike Cisak says, Bridge MCP, there's a reason why the FEC didn't press a fine or charge it against Trump for the payoff. Michael Cohen filed with the FEC saying he paid out. No, that's not why they didn't file. Because when they found that it was it was um, actually a <laughs> that he lied about it, they would have charged Trump. What occurred specifically is that they simply disregarded it because he was president. That's it. There's no two ways about it. All right, Eric Hayes, we used to be a world leader. Our nation would act, this is from Michael Rudden, our nation would actually lead the world by example. We could start, our nation would actually lead the world by example. We could start getting off of coal, build up our infrastructure, show the rest of the world that could be possible. But no, sadly, it'll be little people who will try to stop from happening. Meantime, one out of five deaths is attributed to fossil fuel-related air pollution. Well, as I was telling, you know, you talk about infrastructure, I was telling folks in, um, on the KPFT show today, having been to China several times, that, uh, you know, we, we live in a bubble sometimes in the United States thinking, oh, we have the best of everything, pat ourselves on the back. I suggest many people travel to other big cities around the world in, 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 in rich countries, China being one of them, and take a look at what their subways look like compared to, let's say, what the New York subway look like or even the Washington, D.C. subway look like. Take a look at their roads. Take a look at many things. Um, we have really fallen behind. And it, uh, as, as Biden would have put it, we are about rated 13th infrastructure-wise in the world. Not good when you call yourself a first world country and the leader of the country. So good point made there, El Senor Rodnin. Um, let's see, Michael Rodnin, Eric Hayes, that's another one. All right, we also have Eric Hayes' economic policy drives a lot of what people can afford. Think about it when you manufactured chaos policy now, and it does not need to be that way. Actually, I think you need to take a class in economics, all right? Really, um, there's nothing that Biden did that is incorrect with Keynesian economics, which is what has always worked. We had a pandemic and it required an inflation of the economic system because people were not working because we try to mitigate a pandemic. It's, it's basic Keynesian economics that has always worked. Something that even Reagan, even as he lied about supply side economics and, and, simply, and implemented it, Use Keynesian mechanism to get ourselves out of the, the quagmire. You take a look at exploding the budget by spending on the military as you cut taxes. That's a classic Keynesian move. Classic Keynesian move. But you know, these guys know how to use smoke and mirrors. Uh, let's continue. Para ver, Bridge MCP again, a narcissist, again, narcissists are genius at that. He will eventually be in jail for something. I just can't wait because I, this guy's a clear and pleasant day, present danger to the country. Daniel Lado says, Christians built America. Godless Marxist progressives are destroying it. If you think Christians built America, you're dreaming. But uh, God, most progressives are not godless when i and i don't even know what godless mean but i think you're trying to insinuate that they have no, no religion most progressives that i know are of some faith or some religion now i'm a humanist i believe wholeheartedly in human beings and that's what i stand for doesn't preclude me from believing that religion has its purpose and that there's some supreme being i just don't know what it is and i just know what these men are talking about is hogwash but 
you know, I won't go there. I won't go there. But again, the fact that thinking that a progressive is equivalent to not believing in a God, that is simply a lie. If the United from Rodney, if the United States white people will never become a minority, but the demographic shifts indicate the majority will become a plurality in the next twenty something years. The fear among some white is that when we lose our majority status, we will be treated as badly as our policies have treated everyone else. That's not the outcome that will happen. I mean, it's funny because we have examples in the world. Uh, it, South Africa was, I think, one six white. Uh, Probably uh, the the four six black and maybe another one six mixed race or some some kind of cr- numbers like that. And the truth of the matter is, when we when we decided that we're going to try to Im- implement some sort of equality, we didn't see anybody coming to take the heads of white people off at all. In fact, technically speaking, if you take a look at their economic system, they're still dominant. So I mean. It's something that just hasn't bared out and borne out. In fact, the reason why these people do is simply to scare these folks so that they continue to vote against their own interests. That's all it's about. Because white supremacy and all of that affects white people just as bad as it does black folk. You know, I mean, it, it is amazing that a lot of people think, oh, white people are doing so well. It's if, 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 I, if I make... If I if our economy is ten thousand dollars, I make nine thousand dollars, and everybody else makes a dollar. The average, and let's say there are ten people in the economy, the average is one dollar each. But in reality, the distribution doesn't look that way at all, and that's what's happening in America. We have the false belief based, and and racism is one of the things that push that part that that belief. But you go to you can go around this country and see that the pain is universal. 20% doing very well is a lot of people doing well. And when that lot of people doing well control the media and control just about everything, it's easy to forget the 80% or make the 80% invisible. But the 80% are all those people that I see driving to work every day, standing up at the bus stops in the ghettos, the barrios and Appalachia, going to work. Americans are not a lazy people. Going to work every day. And not seeing the fruits of their labor. That's who we are. But the only way we can continue that is to keep each other fighting against each other. And that's what I hope to not allow them to continue. There are a few sycophants that continue to believe the myth. But it's something that we should pretty much change. I want to go ahead and play Robert Reich now because I'm running out of time. Then I'll continue with the, with the threads. So let's go ahead and hear what Robert Reich had to say. The question is, who's listening? Robert Reich had a great phrase implying, we socialize the richest losses as we impose the most cruel form of capitalism on the rest. I mean, I want you to listen to how he's talking about what the Fed's doing, what the Fed has done, of course, to help out the wealthy people who would have lost their shirts in the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank, and what he's doing with the rest of the economy, imposing the worst form of capitalism on the rest of us, as Reich says. Listen to this, and then we'll take it on the other side. Mr. Secretary, uh, after 2008, I would go around, I'd go to events, I'd talk to businesses, I'd say, how's your business doing? And everybody's, oh, it's terrible, it's awful. This went on for about a year, and everybody was talking about how horrible it was. And one night, I found myself at a table of bankers, and I, instead of asking how they were doing, 
I said, well, God, I, I know this has been a tough year for you guys. They started laughing at me. They said, what are you talking about? It's been like the best year of our lives. And I'm still naive. I, I'm still naive. We, we live in a country that socializes losses, tells single moms to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but we privatize gains. Have we learned nothing from 2008? Uh, Joe, not not only do we socialize uh, the losses of the people at the top uh, and impose the most cruel form of capitalism on most other people relative to most other nations, most other rich nations, uh, but also a banking uh, is no longer boring. I mean, banking, you know, I'm old enough to remember a time in the 1950s, 1960s, uh, when uh, banking was boring because uh, there weren't very, there wasn't very much money to be made in banking. Uh, now banking is exciting. Uh, and after 2008, one of the goals should have been, uh, you know, we, we put in place Dodd-Frank law. Uh, we put in place uh, stricter regulations. Uh, a lot of bankers, regulators in Washington uh, said, well, now no longer is banking going to be exciting. The big profits are now going to, no longer going to be banking. But the fact of the matter is banking is now about 35 to 40 percent of the entire economy, whereas 40 years ago, it was, it was 15 percent of the entire economy. Banking is exciting. Uh, and as long as it's exciting, uh, it's uh, it's dangerous. Mr. Secretary, these bank failures, of course, have put renewed scrutiny on some of the decisions by the Fed uh, and interest rate hikes that they, have, of course, have done in an effort to combat inflation. We've been sort of getting mixed signals throughout the economy as to what the right course should be. What is your opinion as what, what would be the right approach trying to balance this going forward? Well, it's very, very difficult to know, obviously, because we don't know the future. But I think that the Fed should stop raising interest rates. Um, you know, it raised a quarter of a point interest of interest rates on Wednesday. Uh, well, uh, I don't need it. I don't think it needed to do that. I mean, we've had eight interest rate increases over the past year. Uh, the fastest rate of, uh, of interest rate increases we have seen since the 1980s. Uh, and, you know, there's a there's a lag time when you raise interest rates, uh, you don't know exactly what you're going to do to the economy for, you know, another another three to six or eight months. Uh, so every time you raise interest rates, you're making a guess about what you're doing to the future. I would say, why not pause? Let's just stop. Uh, there is so much uncertainty in the economy right now. Uh, there's so much fear. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and the waves are getting larger and larger. Let's just wait and see what's happening. I, I do worry about the possibility of a recession. Robert Wrights nails it. This, uh, I've interviewed this guy uh, two or three times, and he's saying the same thing he has been saying for years. And my question then is, who's listening? I mean, many of us, we all are listening. But when are we going to turn? When are we going to instantiate the what he writes about, what many other uh, good activists and economists who believe in an egalitarian society are talking about when are we going to instantiate that when we're going to when are we going to put that into effect the reality is we have to do it nobody's going to do it for us we have to start now and how do we start it starts with who we put in office we have to stop being hoodwinked 
and put in those in office who just do the same old neoliberal thing. We can do it, people. But you have to ensure you're electing progressives who understand that this economy is unsustainable. And when it crashes, and as it has crashed many times, not as, as bad as it will crash given the level of inequality, when it crashes, the ones currently who pay the price are the ones he talks about. The ones on which the most evil form of capitalism is imposed on. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, Lee Grant says, thanks to Rudnin for the woke definition. Exactly. Wow, that's good. Uh, Shakula here, stylist. How are you doing? Beautiful. Says, Democratic Democrats are always cleaning up the Republicans' uh, coke binge of the last administration. Bush crashed the economy and it never came back. Bree says, they hear words Issues of racial and social justice and just think it's about themselves to be blamed. So they don't like woke. Well, can't help that. Uh, let's see what else we got here. What else we got here? Alistair Waters says, DL's insecurities are shining so bright today. We need UV protection up in here big time. You're, you're great with words, girlfriend. You're great with words. Uh, continue, we have... Uh, Michael gave us a chart of secular humanism in which I love that he points out what I said earlier, which is that, uh, you know, religion, you can be a humanist and religious or a humanist and not religious. And he gave us the Ten Commandments of Secular Humanism. There you go on the screen. I'm leaving it up for you guys to see. Uh, it says, let me just read a few. Thou shalt strive to promote the greater good of humanity before all selfish desires. Thou shalt be curious for asking questions in the only way to find is the only way to find answers. For asking questions is the only way to find answers. Harm to your fellow human in is harm to humanity. Therefore, thou shalt not kill, rape, rob, or otherwise victimize anyone. Thou shalt not Thou shalt treat all humans as equals, regardless of race, gender, age, creed, identity, orientation, physical ability, or status. Thou shalt use reason as your guide. Science, knowledge, observation, and rational analysis are the best way to determine any course of action. And there's five others. Look it up. It's on the screen right now and posted by El Señor Rudnin in the chat. Thank you, Mr. Rudnin, for pulling that out for us. AVQ says, Egberto, it's too small. Can't read it. Well, man, get the binoculars. I'll try to pick it up a little bit. Let me get a, that's a little bit too big. I hope you can read it that way now. Anyhow, that's the biggest I can get it so that it occupies the screen, brother. So bigger it, bigger it up. All right. Para ver, para ver qué más estoy teniendo aquí. Uh, we are coming close to the end of the show, and I have an interview in five minutes. It never ends, but we love it. You know, the, the guy that I'm interviewing, I told him, hey, I'm doing, uh, you know, I've, I've got like 10 hours I do a week in, uh, on, you know, actual life programs. Actually, is it 10 hours? 10, it's eight hours live and two re pre-recorded. Then he said, brother, if you like what you're doing, that's what it's all about. And you know what? I'll be honest. I love being with you guys. I love you guys. I love doing this because this is how we are going to make change anyhow i want to add, i want to request ask you to all support the show 
You can support the show by uh, visiting our PayPal, which is right there, politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. Contribute whatever you want, a dollar, $10, $5, $1,000, whatever you want to allow us to continue doing what we are doing here. Become a Patreon. We are short on patrons. I need about 1,000 patrons. I think we have 100 or so patrons. That's politicsunright.com slash Patreon. Politicsunright.com slash Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. But of course, you can find all the different methods of supporting us, either by going to our store or buying our books, uh, by reading our books online, etc. And just click on politicsunright.com slash support politicsunright.com slash support and that way we can keep doing this the way we should you know again i thank you so kindly for being here with me i couldn't do it without you all um uh, i couldn't do it without you all my name is egberto willis this is politics and right and you guys know how i end this baby i am what out we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.